A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. We're looking to the skies once again this week with another extraordinary tale of a UFO abduction. We just can't get enough of it. Welcome back to Paranormal Activity with me, Yvette Fielding, where this week we're looking at the UFO encounter from Travis Walton. Get ready to embark on a journey beyond the ordinary where reality meets the unexplained. Well, let's kick off with some trivia. Okay, here you go. Do you think that this is fact or fiction? There were a total of 10,521 UFO sightings in the world from 1948 to 1969. Fact or fiction? We'll give you the answer at the end of the show. Now, we're discussing extraterrestrial activity again on the podcast. And since hearing about it, like many others, we can't get this case out of our heads. So strap in. We're about to explore the story that has baffled both investigators and UFO enthusiasts for decades. This case absolutely stuns me. I love the whole story, but the part that really gets me, and we'll get to this bit later on, is when Travis's friends are suspected of murdering him and burying his body in the woods. And then to have Travis call his sister and brother-in-law and tell them that he was safe. Well, of course, this just blew my mind. I really believe this account, and I think it's the best UFO abduction encounter to date. So let's start with the case. On November the 5th, 1975, a group of seven loggers, including Travis Walton, ventured into the Apache Sitgreaves National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. Now, this is a 2.76 million acre site, which runs along the Mongolian Rim and the White Mountains in east central Arizona. The sun was setting after a long day of work and the loggers were making their way back to the truck to head home. They loaded up their equipment and began driving north up the ridge towards the Rim Road. It was 6.10pm. As they were driving, something caught Travis's eye. It was a strange glow coming through the trees. This was an area that the loggers hadn't yet cut into and was so thick with trees and bush. He didn't think anything of it, as it was hunting season and he assumed it would just be the lights from hunters camping there. The other loggers saw it too, but again didn't think anything of it. They get into the car and begin driving along a dirt road towards the light and manage to pass in sight of it for an instant. What the hell was that? From the car window, 
a yellow light washed over onto the road for another 40 yards ahead. It looks like a crash plane hanging in a tree, said one of the loggers. The car trundles forward into a clearing and the real source of the glow is revealed. This was like nothing they had ever encountered before. Stop! Stop! Stop the truck! The loggers are in absolute awe as they see what it is that's in front of them. Before them was a disc-shaped craft emitting a luminous glow that cast an eerie ambience over the surrounding forest. It was 20 feet above the ground and hovered silently. Travis, in his own book, estimates that the craft had an overall diameter of 15 or 20 feet and it was 8 to 10 feet thick. The flattened disc had a shape like that of two huge pie pans placed lip to lip, with a small round bowl turning upside down on the top. There were darker stripes of a dull silver sheen that divided the glowing areas into panel-like sections. There was no antenna, windows, ports or hatches. Travis felt compelled to get closer and so stepped out of the truck. The loggers frantically shouted him and tried to get him back into the safety of the vehicle, but he continued to move towards the craft. He needed to get a closer inspection as he felt he would never witness something like this again in his lifetime. As he got closer, he said he began to hear the low rumbling of distant machinery. In a moment that would change his life forever, the sound swelled like hundreds of generators had started up. Travis was engulfed by a powerful beam of bright blue-green light, lifting him off the ground and rendering him unconscious. He said that all he felt was the numbing force of a blow that felt like a high-voltage electrocution. As soon as the blow hit, he didn't see, hear or feel anything more. And that was the last they saw of Travis. The loggers assumed that he had been incinerated and they panicked and left the clearing, convinced that Travis was dead. As they drove away, they saw the glowing light rise off and streak towards the northeast. As terrified as the loggers were at what they'd just seen, they returned to the scene after a brief period in the hopes to find a trace of Travis. But there was nothing to be found. They had no choice but to report the incident to the authorities. I mean, how mind-blowing and absolutely terrifying. What would you do if that was you and your friends? Well, luckily for us, Travis remembers what happened next. He was lying on his back, weak, dehydrated and in agony. He managed to peel his eyes open to see a rectangular light source above him. Wherever he was... It was hot and humid, and the air smelt stale and muggy. He still had all of his clothes on and was sweating profusely. Then he felt something cool and smooth pressing down lightly on his chest. Looking down at his body, he could see a strange device curved across his body, around four to five inches thick, curving down the middle of each side of his ribcage. Looking at the upper edge of the device, Travis could see the blurry figures of doctors in white masks and caps. They were wearing unusual orange-coloured surgical gowns. 
Travis's eyes adjusted to the light, revealing that these were not doctors at all, but creatures with huge, luminous brown eyes. There were three creatures in all, and jumping up, Travis struck out at two of them, although he was so weak the blows didn't do much damage. Weakened, Travis was cornered, feeling hopelessly trapped. The creatures stood still and kept their distance. They were around five feet in height and had a basic humanoid form. Two legs, two arms, hands with five digits and a head with a normal human arrangement of features. But their flesh was white and marshmallowy looking. They had orange suede-like overalls on which appeared to have no seams. They extended their hands towards him and he noticed that they had no fingernails either. Their heads were disproportionately large for their bodies with bulging craniums and an underdeveloped appearance to their features. Their mouths were narrow and they had what seemed to be crinkly lobes of ears on either side of their head. Their eyes were like glistening orbs with brown irises nearly an inch in diameter. The iris was so large that even parts of the pupils were hidden by the lids, giving the eyes a cat-like appearance. There was very little of the white part of the eye showing, and there were no eyelashes or eyebrows. They never once said a word to Travis. So there seems to be a varied amount of alien descriptions out there, don't there? We have the classic greys, the reptilian creatures, the suited and helmeted aliens, and now these guys. I believe that out there, there are many forms of aliens, as there are many races and cultures on our planet. Some believe that certain aliens could descend from humans and have come back through time to check on their ancestors. I'd love to know what your theory is. I really would like to know, so please get in touch. Anyhow, back to Travis. After the commotion, the creatures scurried out of the room and Travis noticed the strange array of instruments on the bench he was lying on. Travis began walking around the ship looking for a way out. The winding hallways and corridors seemed to lead nowhere. He entered a room with a single chair facing away from him, and reluctantly he began to walk towards it. The closer he got, the darker the room became. On the chair was what seemed to be controls, on the left arm, there was a single short lever, and on the right, an illuminated lime green screen. Under that were around 25 coloured buttons. On impulse, hoping that one button would provide an exit, he pushed a green button in front of him. Nothing happened. In his panic, he began pressing whatever he could. If this thing was flying, maybe he could bring it down. But nothing happened. Travis went to head back towards the corridor that he came from, when there in front of him was what seemed to be another human being. Approaching the human, Travis babbled all sorts of questions on how to escape. The human said nothing. He took Travis firmly but gently by the arm and gestured for him to go with him. He led Travis out of the room and hurried him down a narrow hallway. He stopped in front of a closed doorway that slid open into the wall. The room was bare, almost like a foyer or section of hallway. Travis again attempted to talk to the man, but yet again was returned with silence. Another doorway opened. A warm light came through the opening door into the airlock-like room and fresh, cool air wafted in. Travis descended a short, steep ramp around eight feet to the floor. Although it felt as if he was outdoors, Travis was not. 
He was in a huge room and Travis was ushered forward as two other beings appeared. He was pushed down onto a table and what seemed like an oxygen mask was placed on his face. It all started to go black again. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, before we get back into Travis's story, let's hear from this week's listener who wanted to share her visitation dreams after listening to our recent episode on dreams. Good morning, Yvette. Good morning, team. I want to say a massive thank you for your podcast. It helps me with my commute to work once a week. I can't wait to hear it. Just been listening to your uh, podcast about the dreams and uh, just want to share a couple of experiences that I've had that upon reflection um, and listening to your show has made me think that they are definitely visitation dreams from both of my grandmothers who passed um, within the last 10 years. Um, so, yeah, I'll just talk to you um, and hopefully you'll be able to share this with your listeners and hopefully it will bring comfort to them as well. So um, my dad's mum passed away uh, about 10 years ago now following a very short illness. She was in her 70s, but it was still very unexpected that she had this illness and passed away. Uh, but we used to love going around our local park when I was little, um, when she used to babysit for us. Shortly after she passed away, I had a dream where I was sitting on a bench in this park with my grandmother. I can't remember seeing her face, which was really bizarre. 
However, she was wearing a, a red coat, which is something that she always used to wear. And she'd got a beautiful, shining um, brooch. Again, she used to love brooches on all of her coats, so that wasn't out of the ordinary. But this one was catching the light. It was a beautiful sun, summer's day. We were sat, we were holding hands. She was telling me that she was happy. Um, really, really lovely dream, as I thought it was. But again, as I say, this brooch was really shimmery. It was um, full of uh, like clear stones. Don't know whether they were diamond or crystal at the time. Um, but they were reflecting the sun up onto her face, which is why I couldn't see her face. But I just got this sense of peace that my grandmother was happy, that she was at rest. Um, and I just put it down to a dream. Shared that with both of my parents um, at the time and thought nothing more of it. Now, uh, about five years later, I lost my mum's mum. She'd been ill for quite a while um, and had passed away in our, in our local hospital. Um, and I was with her at the time of her passing, which hopefully is something that I'll be able to share with you at another time. Because it was such um, an amazing experience to be there with her and and just all of everything connected with that. However, um, a few days after she passed, I was obviously devastated, really upset. I, I was really close to my maternal grandmother. And um, I dreamt that I was walking um, around uh, a small block of flats, which was quite near to the hospital where she'd passed. And I bumped into my nan at that point. And um, she was as I'd always remembered her growing up, not so much as she was in her latter years and when she passed away. She was telling me that she was waiting. There was There was something that she needed to do before she passed over. My nan was quite uh, intuitive herself and we were having a conversation. She wouldn't tell me at the time what she was waiting for, but I remember commenting on a white um, fur type jacket that she was wearing and she was kind of pulling it close up round her neck, um, even though it didn't feel cold at the time. And she told me to carry on and she would, she would catch up with me soon. I've never dreamt of either of my grandparents, uh, my grandmothers, since those initial dreams. So I'm still waiting for my nan to come back to me at some point. And I did, I carried on and everything was fine. Um, now, if you remember me just explaining about the brooch that my grandmother was wearing, um, a few years later, after she passed away, um, I got married. And as my something borrowed my and something old, my dad presented me uh, with a brooch that was my nan's and it was the exact same brooch that I'd seen reflecting this bright light into my nan's face. Um, it was quite overwhelming, quite emotional, um, but I thought it was a lovely, lovely thing. I hadn't mentioned the brooch um, or what it looked like at that point to my parents, just told them of the dream. And also as well, the the coat that my nan was wearing that I'd commented on this bright this white sort of fur type coat when my mum was clearing out my nan's items with my aunt um there was a big debate over who should have this coat and my mum said that she felt an overwhelming sense that I had to have it um and it's a little bit too big for me I've never worn it um it's actually packed away um in a suitcase in my loft and I do get it out every now and again even seven, eight years after my nan passed away, it's still got her scent on it. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that with you. Um, 
so yeah so hopefully uh, you'll have your own comments on those Yvette I would love to hear what you think of it keep up the good work I look forward to seeing you when you come to the West Midlands Yvette um, in the near future massive fan of yourself and of most haunted over the years um and as i say i love listening to your podcast uh so keep up the good work my name's sarah by the way and i look forward to hearing from you soon have a good day Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for your voice note. You know how much I love them. Well, the first dream you had was a beautiful dream. And yes, in my opinion, it was definitely a visitation from your grandmother. How wonderful and beautiful for you. I'm so, so happy and thrilled that you got to see both your grandmothers. And isn't it funny how lots of people report seeing their loved ones in spirit, that they look so much younger and happier. And that's how we must think of them over there. They are so much happier and lighter. And as I've told you many times before, not one in 25 years of talking to the spirit world do any of them ever want to come back to this plane. Food for thought, isn't it? Now back to Travis Walton's experience. Back down on Earth, the loggers later found out that the sheriff had on file that multiple others in the area saw the UFO, including loggers and fishermen. The movement they described is the same as the crew, a glow rising off and streaking off towards the northeast. An official investigation was said to have been launched, but there is no record of this. The story gained widespread attention and an extensive search and investigation ensued. Speculation and theories abounded, with some suggesting that the loggers had concocted an elaborate hoax because some people believed that they had murdered Travis and buried his body in the woods whilst others believed that they had really witnessed a genuine extraterrestrial encounter. But five days later, after the event, Travis mysteriously reappeared, disorientated and malnourished. He recounted a bizarre tale of abduction aboard a craft piloted by otherworldly beings. So let's hear from Travis himself. The account of his return back to Earth is written by Travis and you can find it over at TravisWalton.com. Consciousness returned to me on the night I awoke to find myself on the cold pavement west of Heber, Arizona. I was lying on my stomach, my head on my right forearm, cold air brought me instantly awake. I looked up in time to see a light turn off on the bottom of a curved, gleaming hull. As I raised my head up, a white light caught my eye just before it blinked off. Either a light had been turned off or a hatch had closed, cutting off the light from inside. I only caught a glimpse as I raised my head. I could not be sure which it was. Then I saw the mirrored outline of a rounded, silvery disc hovering four feet above the paved surface of the road. It must have been about 40 feet in diameter because it extended several feet off the left side of the road. It was too large for the highway and it extended past the roadside to my left to clear a cutaway rock embankment on the other side of the highway. It appeared to be about 14 feet high in the centre. For an instant, it floated silently above the road a dozen yards away. 
I could see the night sky, the surrounding trees and the highway centre line reflected in the curving mirror of its hull. I noticed a faint warmth radiating onto my face. Then abruptly, it shot vertically into the sky, creating a strong breeze that stirred the nearby pine boughs and rustled the dry oak leaves that lay in the dry grass behind the road. It gave off no light and it was almost instantly lost from sight. The most striking thing about its departure was its quietness. It seemed impossible that something so large, moving through the atmosphere at such speed, would not have been shrieking through the air or even broken the sound barrier with a sonic boom. Yet it had been totally silent. I scrambled shakily to my feet. My legs felt rubbery. I swayed, then caught my balance. I looked around and recognised the deserted stretch of curving road as the highway that wound round the canyon into Heber from the west. I ran wildly down the deserted highway across the bridge into Heber, stopping at the new building across from the Union 76 service station. No one answered my desperate knocking and no cars passed by. I ran down the highway over the second bridge to the row of telephone booths at the Exxon station. I dialed the operator... A dime was not required to reach an operator in our part of the country and panted out the number of my sister. She was the only nearby relative with a telephone. My brother-in-law, Grant, answered and it was 12.05am. I was in an incredible mental state, difficult to describe. As best I can remember, I shouted something like, They brought me back! Then I babbled, I'm out here in Heber, please, please, get somebody to come and help me. My hand shook as I held the cold receiver. Grant was not amused. He took this call to be another cruel joke. Uh, I think you have the wrong number, he replied sarcastically, starting to hang up. Wait, it's me, Travis, I screamed hysterically into the receiver. Where are you, he asked, still suspicious of a joke. I'm at the Heber Exxon station. Okay, he replied, almost apologetically, yet still cautious of a prank. Stay right there. I'll come and get you. Just hang on. Grant drove the three miles from Taylor over to Snowflake and found my brother, Dwayne, at Mum's house. He told Dwayne about the call and of his doubts it was really me. Dwayne, too, thought the call might have been yet another example of someone's idiotic concept of humour, but they decided they couldn't risk not investigating. They set out for Heber, 33 miles away. Light suddenly shone into the phone booth. Relief flooded over me when I raised my head and saw the headlights of Dwayne's pickup. Dwayne and Grant got out and came to where I was still slumped in the phone booth. Dwayne opened the glass door of the booth and helped me to my feet. Am I ever glad to see you, Grant said. Dwayne helped me into the warm truck and asked Grant to drive. On the way to Snowflake, I tried to tell them about what had happened to me, but I just couldn't get it all out. They were awful. White skin, great big eyes, I sobbed in horror. Take it easy, Travis, you're all right now. They didn't harm you, did they? No, but those eyes, those horrible eyes, they just kept looking at me. Just so you're okay, that's all that counts, Dwayne said. Everyone has been worried sick about you. If it's already after midnight, I must have been unconscious for a couple of hours, I replied shakily, because I only remember about an hour or, a, or an hour and a half inside that thing. Dwayne and Grant looked at me strangely. Travis, feel your face, Dwayne said. Good hell, I just shaved this morning and it feels like a week's growth, I exclaimed, still not comprehending. 
Travis, Dwayne said gently, you've been missing for five days. This incident quickly became a media sensation, with Travis facing scrutiny and, of course, scepticism. Critics questioned the authenticity of his story, suggesting that it was a fabricated tale or an attempt to gain attention or financial gain. Others believe it could also be attributed to natural phenomena such as ball lightning or an atmospheric anomaly. Well, I know what I think and I think you know what I think. This guy's telling the truth, for goodness sake. I mean, why would you put yourself through all of that? Um, You know, his witnesses, his friend, his brother-in-law could see how shaken up he was. Um, His his other uh, uh, friends, the loggers, saw what happened. You mean to tell me all these people are in on it? They're all lying to make a story, to get attention, to make money? No, I'm sorry. And for those friends, those loggers, to have been put through the hell by Travis's uh, family, accused of possibly murdering Travis and, uh, and burying his body in the woods. Why would you put yourself through that? I'm sorry. None of that would make sense. The only sense to me is what Travis Walton is saying. And this is the truth. He was abducted. He was taken up by an alien craft. He met those people and then he was brought back down. I mean, to be away for five days? I mean, possibly more happened to Travis, but maybe he can't remember it all. It's an incredible story to me. Um, And I'm not sure if you're aware, but I can't remember the title of the movie, but there have been, I think, a couple of movies made about this. Uh, (laughs) And if anybody knows me, like I think you know me, um, I can't watch anything spooky because if I watched anything like that, I wouldn't go to sleep thinking that I was going to get abducted that night. So I can't watch it. So if anybody would like to watch it and let me know what you think of it as a movie, that would be great. Anyway, despite scepticism, the loggers' account of the UFO sighting and Travis Walton's subsequent disappearance remains consistent over time. And... This is another thing. The group took part in several polygraph examinations and they all passed. In the years following, Walton published a book on his experience, Fire in the Sky. And this was later, as I was just saying, adapted into a film, bringing the story to a wider audience. So check out Fire in the Sky, watch it for me and let me know what you think. Uh, In the wake of the Travis Walters encounter, the world was left with more questions than answers. Was this a chance encounter or was Travis chosen? for a purpose beyond our comprehension. The impact of this experience on his life and the ripple effect it had on society cannot be understated. Before we leave this week, let's get the answer to our fact or fiction question. Now, as a reminder, here's a question. Is this fact or fiction? There were a total of 10,521 UFO sightings in the world from 1948 to 1969. Is that fact or is it fiction? What do you think? Mm, I'm going to go with possibly fact. But I'm wrong. Apparently, the answer is fiction. And the actual figure is much higher with 12,618 UFO sightings from 1948 to 1969, of all the sightings reported, 11,917 were explained. So that's interesting, isn't it? Explained by whom, though? The military? 
The government? Pah, you know what I think to that. Well, most of them were balloons, satellites and aircraft, but only 701 of the 12,618 remained unidentified. Well, if you can't get enough of these UFO cases, check out our most recent bonus series, all on the Pascagoula UFO case, another fascinating case. And this is one of the most well-documented cases of abduction. So uh, have a short listen now. Let's hear the transcript from that hidden recorder now. Parker. I've got to get home and get to bed or get some nerve pills or see the doctor or something. I can't stand it. I'm about to go half crazy. Hickson. I tell you, when we're through, I'll get you something to settle you down so you can get some damn sleep. Parker. I can't sleep yet like it is. I'm just damn near crazy. Hickson. Calvin, when they brought you out, when they brought me out of that thing. Parker. My damn arms, my arms. I remember they just froze up and I couldn't move. Just like I'd stepped on a damn rattlesnake. Hickson. They didn't do me that way. Parker. I passed out. I expect I never passed out in my whole life. Hickson. I've never seen nothing like that before in my life. You can't make people believe. Parker. I don't want to keep sitting here. I want to see a doctor. Hickson. They'd better wake up and start believing. Well, have you seen a UFO? Or is there a site, location, haunting, uh, paranormal story that you think we need to cover on the podcast? If you do, then get in touch with us here. Share your stories at contact at paranormalpod.co.uk or you can leave me a luscious, luscious voice note. Here is the phone number 075-999-27537. We are on Instagram and our handle is at paranormalactivity.com. Pod. Stay up to date with the newest episodes by giving us a follow, and we'll be back again same time next week. But if you can't wait until then, you can visit www.paranormalpod.co.uk where you can find options to get episodes a day early. Have a great week, stay safe, and remember things aren't always as they seem. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.